I have heard that this weekend they will be celebrating International Yoga Day. That's very funny. <laughs> Somewhat frightening. It means that yoga has become so commercialized that they have influence upon the financial capitals and the legislators thereof to produce a day representing what is now apparently an industry that produces enough income to be recognizable. So it behooves us to explore again what is yoga. The first important thing to recognize is that yoga cannot be defined. The closest definition I have been able to come to after many years of studying this subject is yoga is the practice of the real. However, because we are discussing this in language, which is a representation of the real, the language is already an avoidance of the subject, and no representation of the real can reach the real. Therefore, yoga can only be known but not defined by a real yogi. And the word for real in Sanskrit, the original language in which this practice developed, is sat. So we refer to this as sat yoga. Now the word yoga itself means union. But what is it that could unite with the real? We could say it is the unreal uniting with the real. But when the unreal meets the real, it dissolves. And so we could say that to the practitioner of yoga, it is the dissolving of the unreal in the real. And that union happens in a mind that had been seduced by the unreal and through a process of recognition returns to the real. But the real itself did not change. The real is what is and it is only the unreal that can begin to release itself from its own self-bondage, its self-imprisonment as an illusion, and realize the truth. 
what is the truth? In the practice of the real, what becomes recognized is that the truth is that which cannot be represented by language. And that the truth cannot be represented by anything. The truth is that which does not appear nor disappear. And so the practice of yoga then, in practical terms, pragmatic terms, is simply paying attention to the capacity to pay attention. And to come to recognize who pays. Originally, there were no texts of yoga. There certainly were no asanas. None of these exercises have anything to do with yoga, or pranayamas, or, God forbid, kirtan, or chanting of mantras in any way. They would even be called anti-yoga. You know, one of the great yogis of the modern period, Sri Ramana Maharshi, whose picture we have on the wall, would not use the term yoga because he felt it had been defiled. And when you use that term, people's images of hatha yoga or their images of uh, some kind of worship, some kind of activity of the body-mind but is the real the body-mind? Does it have anything to do with the body-mind? Ramana's answer was clear, but his recommendation is find out for yourself. Be real. If there is one mantra for yogis, it would be be real. Don't repeat mantras. Why? Because the mantra assumes that there is someone saying the mantra. And that's exactly what must be questioned. Who is it who's speaking the mantra? Who's singing? Who's thinking? Until you know the answer to that, you haven't entered the real. And so if you start out assuming there's somebody here doing something, you've already lost hope for achieving the real. Now, of course, they ended up making mantras about Ramana and singing to him and about him. And he resigned himself with a shrug of the shoulders that, okay, they don't get it. But they're building this ashram around me, so all right, let's let it happen. It's better than other things they could do with their money. But he had nothing to do with it. He remained steadfast as the embodiment of the real. Now probably the first and last significant text of of yoga was written by someone who is apocryphally named Patanjali. This is already legendary 
uh, and the text, a relatively short text called the Yoga Sutras, is the basis of what has now become classical yoga. And Patanjali there describes yoga in one phrase, citta vritti nirodha, simple as that. Sounds like something that came from that movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still, right? Didn't he talk to the robot with some term like that? Klatu Narada Niktu, if I remember correctly. Very similar. Chittavriti Naroda, what does it mean? Naroda means cessation, stop, full stop. Vritti means movement, modification, change, activity. Chitta, the substance of the mind, the essence of the mind. Chitta vritti nirodha means stop all your thinking, stop all mental activity, end the vibrational activity at a very subtle level that isn't even thought, isn't even a recognizable process, but any interference in stillness. Yoga is absolute stillness of consciousness. We could actually say more accurately, that is the portal to yoga. Until you have reached absolute stillness of consciousness, yoga does not begin. But that is what enables the apperception of the real. And because of the nature of what is realized in that stillness, that is not representable or transmissible in language, but is awesome and miraculous and transforming. All that can be really known about yoga is the effects of yoga on the personality. To enter into that stillness and abide in that stillness for any significant period of Kronos time will produce a death and a rebirth. The one who enters yoga will no longer be there when someone comes back from yoga. But someone who is a true yogi does not come back. And that is why it is referred to as ego death. The body-mind will be there, but the one who thought he or she was the body-mind and he or she cannot be used for that, that realizes it is not this. And yet, Paradoxically, because this is all there is to that, this is that. But you can only recognize this as being that from that. Is that clear? <laughs>
you see why you can't talk about yoga. The practice of the real will appeal only to a very few. As soon as a signifier like yoga gets appropriated by the masses, you can be sure it is no longer yoga. It may be a way to relax. It may be a way to reduce stress. It may be a way to improve the health of the body. It may have many benefits of a practical nature for survival on the physical plane. But yoga has nothing to do with that, no interest in that. But simply to discover, enter into and become real. Now what do we mean by real? This again is a term that is indefinable and that is perhaps the definition of the real. It is not reality. Reality is unreal. Reality is a narrative that an unreal entity that believes it is what is signified by the word I enters into a subject-object relationship with a world, with persons in that world, and has a life. Be a yogi means you have no life. You are life, but you have no life. You are the source of life because that is the real. The source of language, but not words. The source of perception, but not what is perceived. So a yogi would never say get a life. He would say get rid of your life. Get rid of your ego, get rid of your illusions, get rid of your narratives, get rid of your loves and your hates, get rid of all your beliefs. None of them are real. They may have reality, reality in the sense of a set of signifiers corresponding to a configuration of phenomena. This is called the correspondence theory of truth that has nothing to do with real truth. Because in the real, there are no states of affairs that change. The real is immutable, changeless. And once the real is grokked, the real is recognized as being beyond time, beyond space, beyond matter. Now, interestingly, quantum physics has discovered the same thing because quantum physics has wanted to discover the real by assuming that the real was made up of particles, stuff. And the more that they went to smaller and smaller levels of these particles, they ultimately discovered there's no such thing as a particle. A particle emerges out of a wave because there's a consciousness that wants to find a particle. And all that ever is measured as particles 
and that is mapped mathematically is the mind's own desire to locate a particle. And all that, is, that a particle is, is the mind's own projection that brings particles out of what they call quantum wave fields. But what is a quantum wave? What is it made of? It has no mass. Now what they've discovered recently is that even particles have no mass. Mass is an illusion. Mass means weight. Zero, not even just a little, but zero. Zero. The universe has zero mass. The illusion of mass is created by what they now call the Higgs boson. By the way, why is it called boson? It's named after an Indian yogi who is also a physicist named Satyendranath Bose. He himself would laugh at the idea that they've named a particle after him. In any case, what is a particle called a Higgs boson that creates the illusion of mass? It too is massless. To something without any mass at all and that exists only as a wave of probability have any reality even to a mind that is in the phenomenal plane? What is this? You see, and, and the modern mind cannot really deal with quantum physics. It cannot deal with its implications, which are the same implications of yoga. The real is not that which appears. As soon as you have a particle appearing out of a probability wave field, you already are in unreality. And a particle appears only as a swarm of possibilities. It's everywhere and nowhere. You can't say where even an electron is. You can say there's a probability it could appear here, but it's neither here nor there, nor both here and there, nor neither here nor neither there. It's none of those. It's the same logical quadrivium of impossibilities that Nagarjuna wrote in his famous Madhyamaka Karika. The real is indescribable. It has no logic. It is the refutation of the mind's own attempt to grasp the real. And in the face of it, the mind gives up. It is the surrender of the mind of its attempt to grasp reality that is the starting point of yoga. And then what is discovered is that there is an intelligence that is beyond the mind. So if yoga is anything, it is union with that intelligence that is beyond the mind, that does not appear or disappear that does not condescend to use language, that is present only as absence, but an absence and an emptiness that makes everything present, makes it possible for a world to be, but only as an illusion, a magical display of one of the infinite possibilities, and that is a flux that never remains the same from one nanosecond to another. And in which no one exists.
And so yoga enables the realization that you do not exist and your story is a complete fiction. And that whatever seems to be reality is simply a metaphor, a dream, a myth, that represents a truth that can only be represented by fiction. But the fiction, at best, can lead to an aha moment in which the real is unveiled as that to whom the fiction is appearing. And the fiction is no longer necessary to represent the real and it fades dissolves. It disappears and that which is immutable, that which is timeless, is recognized as all that is. The closest representation to the real in the phenomenal cosmos is a black hole. And the process of the real is the image we have now from the Hubble telescope and others that are out there of a galaxy being swallowed by a black hole that is at its center. The self, the real, is that black hole. And yoga is the dissolving of the galaxy of the unreal into the core of that real, which is of such an utter blackness because it does not ever appear as anything at all. But even that is only a metaphor. But the practice of yoga is to dissolve your own galaxy of unrealities into the core of the absence that is presence and pay attention to what is left when the unreality is gone. And so if people really practice yoga on International Yoga Day, yoga will swallow up the universe in which it has appeared. And the real will emanate another reality. Because at some point the black hole becomes a white hole. It explodes as a singularity that we tend to call a Big Bang. Both functions appear. Involution, evolution. Implosion, explosion. And yet the real never moves, never changes. Whether your body-mind is dead or alive, irrelevant. Whether it's in pain or experiencing pleasure, irrelevant. The real does not care. The real is absolutely indifferent to the unreal.
you could say that the real has mercy because when the unreal becomes so unpleasant that the unreal beings are suffering too much from it to even want it to go on, it becomes such a powerful black hole that it absorbs it all back into itself and re-emanates it in such a way that there is no suffering in that phenomenal field that is called the universe and again becomes what its own residents would call beautiful, pure, perfect, harmonious, loving, what has been called the kingdom of heaven. And the real does that. But it does that from a position in which what happens, happens within that timeless emptiness and is the final modification the vritti of the chitta of that mind of the supreme real that emanates one moment of perfection And then that moment itself, through its own logical processes, its own mathematics, its own process of falling into illusion, devolves back into a Kali Yuga, an unreality that needs to be dissolved, out of mercy and the unreal is taken out of its misery. The unreal situation of this planet has now reached that point that the real will take this world out of its unbearable misery. And whether we want it or not, we are being drawn by the real to be part of that process. A yogi is not someone who decides to be a yogi. It is decided by the real that you will be a yogi. Or else, you might as well center, settle for International Yoga Day. Mm -hmm. Settle for chanting, settle for exercise, settle for your egoic suffering. But if you choose to be real, it means that you will no longer buy into the ego, to the narratives to the sense of being a somebody in the world. And it is only the refusal to fall into that delusion that separates the real yogis from the pseudo-yogis.
May every day be World Yoga Day, but more important, may it be the day that is the timeless and worldless presence of the real that you are. May you all be Sat Yogis, true Yogis, Yogis who do not represent or talk about the real, but you are real.